What shapes us into the people we are? Is it our experiences, our relationships, passions, or simply the peculiarities of fate that drive our decisions and ultimately our destiny? For Shelley Patterson, it was hard to see herself as anything other than the ridiculed, replaceable little sister of picture-perfect Pam, always a burden, always an inconvenience, always an afterthought. For you see, the Pattersons had only intended to have one child, one highly capable, expertly engineered super baby that would one day inherit the publishing empire that Mr. Patterson's father had built from the ground up. Sure, some couples have two, maybe even three or more kids, just in case they accidentally screw one of them up, but the Pattersons didn't make mistakes. In fact, they only screwed up once in their entire lives, and that little screw-up, she herself the product of screwing, was named Shelley. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Murder on Michigan Avenue, Episode 2, The Pepper Predicament. Growing up in the shadow of enormously successful, ultra-competitive parents is enough to send any full-grown child straight from their high school graduation ceremony onto a couch at their nearest therapist's office, but throw in a precocious, pottery genius older sister in the mix, and you'd have, well, as the cops say, motive. Having spent her entire childhood and adolescence fighting to be loved, to be heard, to be seen, Sister Shelley found her safe haven in a profession where everybody was fighting to be seen. Show business. While Pam spent her teenage years collecting blue ribbons from arts festivals and filling the Patterson Mansion's many shelves and mantles with a vibrant chromatic assortment of pots, bowls, vases, and plates, Shelley snuck off to the city to take voice lessons in secret. It wasn't that Shelley deliberately wanted to disappoint her parents in some kind of ill-advised attempt at teenage rebellion. On the contrary, she would have done anything to get their approval. But, in the words of the late Mrs. Patterson, I feel so fortunate to be your mother, Pamela. I'm so proud of the young woman you've become. Now would you please go tell that senseless squawking sister of yours to keep it down upstairs so your father and I can watch Twin Peaks in peace. So as she sat alone in that vintage hot dog joint in downtown Chicago, her sister's students watching her every move from behind the nearest booth, she traced the rim of her cocktail glass with her gloved finger and wondered how she'd ever made it out of that Patterson hell hole alive. Typically, the murder of one's sister tops the chart on the list of most distressing things that can happen to a human being, right after riding a tilt-a-whirl drunk or using Microsoft two-factor authentication. But Shelley wasn't heartbroken, nor even a bit gloomy. How could she be after a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity had placed itself before her very eyes? For finally, after years of low-level gig work and thousands of fruitless auditions, she had landed the lead role in the esteemed lyric opera of Chicago's production of Carmen. And when on Wednesday afternoon, two days before the show was scheduled to open, she'd received a phone call from the CPD superintendent informing her of her sister's passing. It was difficult for even a well-seasoned acting pro like Shelley to conceal her apathy. 
though she may have choked back crocodile tears as the police chief offered her her condolences over the phone. Screw up Shelley had two words in mind when she thought of her sister, the Patterson parents' golden child. Screw you. Across the diner, the famous four chattered nervously about how best to respond to the situation without drawing undue attention to themselves. I've had just about enough of this spooky kooky murder nonsense. I gotta go to my Zumba class anyhow. Carol hissed as she quickly crammed the uneaten banana bread bricks back into her purse. CJ looked at her in bewilderment. How many hobbies do you have? Y'all, I think we had better skedaddle. If Pam's crazy sister thinks we're onto her, we might be next. Charlotte shuddered, resting her silverware on her half-eaten plate and closing CJ's laptop. Um, waiter, check please, Christopher Pepper said in a hushed tone as the confused diner employee approached the table. After exiting discreetly through the side door to the diner, careful to remain outside Shelley's line of vision at the bar, the famous four sheltered under the restaurant's rain-drenched awning. Huddled together for warmth, each of them, with the exception of Carol, who was already barreling through pedestrians at light speed on the sidewalk, determined to arrive at her Zumba class on time, found themselves distracted by the bleak sight of Pam's studio across the street. The police tape encircling the building reflected through slick, jagged potholes of swirling rain and car exhaust scattered along the road before them, seemed to unleash upon the group a flood of memories. I just can't believe she's gone, Charlotte whispered solemnly, water seeping through the saturated awning and onto her cheek. But the moment of silence in memory of the fallen potter was cut short by an abrupt flutter of movement from within the front bay window of the studio. What the... Christopher Pepper began. Did you guys see that? CJ asked, his eyes widened with worry. Indeed, though none of them were ready to admit it to each other, they all had the same sinking feeling in their chest. There was someone in the pottery shop. I mean, maybe it's just the cops or something. CJ sputtered as a figure emerged from behind the cast register. Well, butter my button, call me a biscuit. Somebody done broke in. Charlotte exclaimed as the group cowered behind Christopher Pepper's Buick Century sedan, transfixed by what now appeared to be a man dressed in jeans and a wife-beater, frantically digging through the drawers and pacing around the front of Pam's studio. How on earth do you think he'd get in there? What do you think he's looking for? Charlotte and CJ spoke over one another as paralyzing panic took hold of the group. Perhaps a better question would be, where is he headed? Christopher Pepper began as the intruder darted through the exit and ran to a silver SUV parked one block away. Come on, gang, we've got a mystery on our hands, he continued, opening the back door to his 2004 beige aluminum beauty. CJ and Charlotte stared back at him, dumbstruck. Bless your heart, dear, you can't be serious, Charlotte shivered, backing away from the vehicle. You want us to follow him? CJ yelped in disbelief. And with that, the famous four, now down to a somewhat less than formidable three, piled into the Buick and pushed the limits of 20-year-old assembly line manufacturing to keep pace with the mysterious man in the silver SUV. 
The buildings flashed by, the world around them lagged behind as the chase accelerated into a kind of euphoric blur. Dear Lord, we're fixin' to see you sooner than we thought, Charlotte muttered under her breath as they came within inches of a nearby pedestrian. Whoever the maniac was behind the wheel of the silver SUV, they seemed hell-bent on giving the three amateur sleuths in the Buick the ride of their lives. No need for panic. Everything's under control. Christopher Pepper reassured, swerving around a lone traffic cone rolling across the eight lanes of the Kennedy Expressway. But, just like the night Pam Patterson met her maker, something had been eating at Dr. Pepper. For, you see, though the famous four convened at Pam's studio every Tuesday evening and often chatted until the wee hours of the morning, they didn't tell each other everything. CJ never talked about how he'd gotten expelled from college his freshman year for leaving a pot of mac and cheese in the oven for over 13 hours and triggering the sprinkler system in his dormitory. Charlotte never talked about the one scrunchie in her hair she'd accidentally shot down her boyfriend's throat on their first date and how she'd ended up driving him to urgent care to get it surgically removed. But sometimes fate has a way of doing the talking for you. Christopher Pepper exhaled, letting his hands relax against the faux leather steering wheel and searched his mind for memories of better times. Oddly enough, those better times began only a few months earlier in the exact same hot dog joint from which they'd just departed, with the exact same person who'd led them to leave. Though his eyes continued to closely follow the bumper of the silver SUV ahead, his mind was already elsewhere. Every Tuesday night after pottery class let out, Christopher Pepper and his wife Jennifer enjoyed a familiar routine. She would roll up to the studio in the Buick on Jackson Boulevard, greet him at the door to the studio, and they'd go out for ice cream at the hot dog joint across the street. It was simple, it was pure, and it was theirs for a while. Though their conversations often revolved around the same mundane topics, the weather, their kids, a protest at UChicago, Jennifer's job working as a warden at the Cook County Jail, it, it didn't matter because they were together. On one particular evening, when Jennifer's shift ran late due to a brawl between inmates that got out of hand, Christopher Pepper found himself alone at the bar. Now, some say that when you fall in love, it feels like you're meeting your other half, like you're talking to somebody you've known for years, even though you've met only moments ago. So when Shelley Patterson took a seat next to him, introduced herself, and told him of her plans to become the next big name in the Chicago opera scene, he couldn't shake the feeling that he'd seen her somewhere before. Of course, it didn't take long for the two of them to piece together that Christopher was a student of Shelley's twin sister, but both of them were content to keep things private. Granted, it was for different reasons. Shelley and Pam hadn't spoken for years, and sneaking off with one of your sister's married students hardly felt like an appropriate occasion for reconnecting and potentially opening old wounds. Besides, Pam had met Christopher's wife, Jennifer. They were Facebook friends, and who's to say she wouldn't blow Chris and Shelley's cover if she got the chance?
though she never said anything directly, certainly not in front of the famous four, something tells me Pam wondered why Chris came to class so distracted, why he gazed dreamily at the hot dog diner across the street and seemed so uncharacteristically chipper when class let out. But perhaps what made her most curious is why Jennifer never seemed to frequent the studio anymore. In fact, it was on the night Pam made the trip to the archives from which she never returned that she considered asking Chris why he'd been so inattentive and absent-minded as of late, and why he'd ordered an obscenely expensive yellow floral vase when she knew his wife Jennifer wasn't fond of flowers. But it was late. She was tired. She hadn't been able to find her phone all day, and she figured Chris was an adult. Whatever he was doing, whoever he was doing, he could do as he pleased. But the affair wasn't what was eating at Christopher Pepper as he drove his pottery pals in pursuit of Pam's potential killer in the silver SUV. In fact, he and Jennifer hadn't spoken in so long. It hardly felt like it made much of a difference who he did and didn't initiate entanglements with. He knew the famous four had already suspected Shelley of funny business after Carol had pointed out her gloves at the diner, but could she really have played a role in all of this? And if so, who are they chasing in the SUV? An accomplice? Another secret lover? Christopher Pepper's mind churned with an endless stream of apocalyptic scenarios as the silver SUV took an exit ramp off the highway. More than anything, he thought about the sight that had left him sick to his stomach that fateful night he'd asked Pam to retrieve the surprise three-month anniversary present he'd ordered for her twin sister. For when he'd looked out the window of the studio that night, instead of seeing the hot dog joint where he'd enjoyed countless evenings with the two great loves of his life, he saw Shelley, dressed in all black, crouched behind a nearby bus stop, peeking through the window with a murderous expression on her face. Hold your horses, Chris. I think he might be stopping, Charlotte said aloud, her voice snapping Chris back to reality. Indeed, the silver SUV ahead of them did appear to be slowing to a halt on a street lined with row after row of towering Victorian-style McMansions. The low growl of thunder crackled ominously in the distance. Wait a minute. I recognize this place. We were here for that summer shindig at Carol's house, she continued. CJ gulped flinching as thick, syrupy raindrops exploded one by one on the windshield. You don't think whoever that is in the SUV was looking for us, do you?